Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Occasionally, our viewers will give us gifts. Yeah. You received a threatening gift a couple weeks ago. Yeah. A box I've, of someone's I've, Star Trek cards. I've gone back on that being threatening. I'm, I'm really yeah. enjoying looking through them. Like, they're so fun and, and often really funny. <laughs> there's one, there's one that's Data's ops station, just a picture of his computer. <laughs> wow. Is oh, there one of Data's cat? There's one of uh isolinear chips. Oh, that's fantastic. That's yeah, a good one. It's good stuff. Is there a Shimoda card? Oh, I don't know. Or an alternate Argyle? Man, Man. I got to look through them. No viewer of this show would ever give away an Argyle. Or a Shimoda, I don't think. Well, yeah. Do we do we count it as a natural Jaeger if uh, if one of us gets one of those? If someone think... sends it to us in the mail, yeah, I don't think we can quite quite count that as natural, right? No, that would be an unnatural Jaeger. But a Jaeger in the hand is worth two in the bush, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that, how that goes. I believe uh, I believe that's correct. So I received a gift recently, Ben. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, one of my friends and listeners, Grant, who I believe you've met from, oh, yeah. your, from your Seattle visits, he went to one of Seattle's many beer stores and picked up a couple of bottles of the Star Trek 50th Golden Anniversary Ale for me. Oh. Yeah. Cool pretty awesome we saw pictures of this from the big vegas convention people were people were drinking this and also at san diego comic-con it made a big splash there the big vegas convention that we were conspicuously not invited to right yeah so anyway uh i've got a bottle of this dang i'm gonna open it up i got a bottle for you too ben i'm saving it pour it out all right and uh i'm gonna try it it says it's a golden anniversary ale uh, 5.0 alcohol by volume, so this has got to be uh, an easy sipper, right? How's it taste? Pretty good for a novelty beer. I was expecting it to be garbage, <laughs> quite honestly. <laughs> and when Grant gave it to me, he's like, oh, man, I don't know. Grant's a real beer guy. Like He yeah. he goes to breweries and appreciates beer on a whole different level, and he's like, novelty beer is often terrible, so hopefully yeah. this isn't, this isn't I- the worst. It's really good. I was one time in uh, Barcelona, and I had, like, a night to kill by myself. And I went out to... I decided to, like, watch a movie in the hotel room at home because I was really tired. And uh, I went out to, like, a convenience store and uh, discovered that they had Duff beer in the... Whoa. <laughs> and I, I think that this, like, was released at some point in the U.S. as well, but... It was like a complete mind fuck to me that I was like, wait, is Duff like based on a real thing or like what? And then I realized it was definitely like a promotional product, but it was made in Germany. And I was like, that's so weird. And I bought it and it was bad. That's so disappointing. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. you would think that Homer Simpson would probably not have great taste in beer, but like don't make the fucking real version of it be, be bad. Well, 
I was wincing before taking my first sip, but this is actually really good. It's made by the Schmaltz Brewing Company, which I think is a funny name yeah. for a brewer. Schmaltz, of course, being uh, chicken fat. Well, any poultry fat. Sure. Yeah. Doesn't taste like that at all. Tastes like delicious <laughs> beer. <laughs> it's not greasy. So, so anyway, pal, uh, next time we hang out in person, uh, we will enjoy the other two of these. Cra- crack a couple of Trek brews. My thanks to my friend and biggest fan, Grant, for the gift. Thanks, Grant. I thought I was your biggest fan. Damn it. You're a part of the show. That's different. Yeah, but I like listening so I can hear all the funny jokes you make, Adam. Ah. Uh, well, uh, why don't we turn the page and begin the episode? This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. Decided to ramble on about something everyone knows. Uh, let's get serious. Let's mm-hmm. get serious and legal, Ben. <laughs> the season three, episode seventeen, "Sins of the Father." We open with the Enterprise nose to nose with a Klingon starship, and uh, we get some some uh, voiceover that they're taking on a Klingon officer as kind of a. You know, part of the exchange program, like the one that that Riker did on the Pach. <laughs> this is a great callback. Like yeah. at the time, I didn't think this would be a thing that would go in reverse, and it totally is. Yeah, well, because they had the uh, they had the uh, too chaotic, too bro on the Enterprise at the time, but I guess yeah, this is the first time a Klingon has gone on to the uh, to the Enterprise. So uh, this guy comes aboard and. Um, his name is Commander Kern. Which means the letters on his name tag are perfectly aligned. Yeah. Uh, this dude needs a... This dude needs to know about conditioner really bad. Like, yeah. he has some some real... Persistent, itchy, flaky scalp. Some real dry hair. He needs some of that Neutrogena tea gel that Michael Dorn uh, does commercial voiceovers for. Does he really do commercials for... Oh, yeah. That's awesome. He's got a a great voiceover voice. Neutrogena T-Gel. It works. Yeah, he's he's also got a beautiful head of hair in this episode. Yeah, the frizziness of Kern's hair is only exemplified uh, in contrast with with Worf's tight bob. Yeah. And and it's it's glossy and manageable. Yep. It's beautiful. It works. So Kern Kern comes on and is um, big dogging everybody right out the gate. Like he big dogs Riker in the process of Riker, like offering to show him <laughs> where he's going to be staying. Yeah, Kern's like, I don't want to go to my quarters. I want to work. Yeah, he uh, goes onto the bridge and says, "Prepare to be big dog. I will be big dogging all of you as a group and individually for <laughs> the next several weeks." And. <laughs> He just crawls right up Wesley's ass, too. The boy. Like, yeah. like almost immediately. And even Picard <laughs> notices that, and he's like, oh, I, I haven't been quite that far in there before. That's <laughs> impressive. Yeah. Um, Picard is kind of rolling his eyes at, at Kern's style of command, and there's a lot of, like, excuses made for Kern as having a different style of command. It's Uh, weird that, like, during the exchange program, it was on Riker to adapt to the Klingon crew. Yeah. But Kern seems to be making it about the crew adapting to him. 
Yeah, I feel like it's, I don't know, like, I feel like in the 80s, there would be a lot of movies where, like, okay, this guy's a Japanese businessman, so we need to, like, do all of the, all of the, like, rules of etiquette that you would do if you were in his country. But then you go to Japan, and nobody's, like, doing, I guess we just don't have any rules of etiquette. Maybe that's (laughs) why. (laughs) Maybe that's, maybe that's what's up, is that the Klingons are so fucking eccentric. There's no, like, having them adapt to us. It's like... Yeah, not to say so. that the Japanese... I'm not making, like, a comparison to Japan or anything. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, jeez, Grandpa. <laughs> Why don't you cool it at Thanksgiving, all right? Hey, listen. <laughs> I watch my buddies die face down in the muck in Guadalcanal. <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need to be artful in my description of the Klingons. <laughs> yeah. So, as a... So Kern goes around sprinkling the dog everywhere onto everyone. He's, tre- he's treating Worf differently. He's almost overly polite to Worf in a way that, that seems like he's teasing him. Very good, Lieutenant. You handled that well. It seems like maybe he, he wants Worf to like snap and be like, stop being such an asshole to my friends or something. But Worf is... Uh, Worf ain't no punk. So... At a certain point, like, Riker tries to man-to-man, commander-to-commander, talk Kern out of being such a raging shithead to everybody. Because everyone's complaining to Riker, too. They're like, man, Will, this guy is just impossible to work for. Yeah. And Riker's like, I don't know what you think I can do. I mean, the guy's different, but, you know, you just have to learn a deal. But Riker happens upon him in a turbo lift. Yeah, and and thinks it would be a good time to share some thoughts with Kern. <laughs> and uh, and Kern's response is basically like, "You're really lucky I'm not on a Klingon ship right now because I probably would have just stabbed you to death and left you bleeding out in the hallway." And then, <laughs> then they go to like a a fancy dinner, and Kern is like, "Oh my god, you guys are the best." Riker was just in the elevator with me. He tried to give me some advice. Can you believe it? He's so lucky I didn't stab him to death. Like, living and working aboard a Klingon ship must just be fucking crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. you enter any turbo lift and there could just be a dead guy in there. Yeah. Like, ugh, Brian must be offering a little more advice than is, strictly <laughs> strictly speaking, his want. Yeah, jeez. It's probably Klingon's name, Brian, right? Brian is probably spelled B apostrophe R G. <laughs> R G K K K K N. He just kept talking in one long, incredibly unbroken sentence, moving from topic to topic so that no one had the chance to interrupt. It was really quite hypnotic. Nodding. Oh, so this dinner scene, right? Yeah. Uh, Picard's like, you know, much like Riker's tentacle buffet that he had before going to the Klingon ship. You know, a great way to get to know any culture is through its culinary delights. Mm -hmm. So, like, the establishing shot is a close-up of a turkey being carved by Picard. Yeah. And there's kind of a full spread out here, isn't there? Yeah. And uh, some of it is identifiable food and some of it's space food. But Curran is like, like, that bird looks like it's dead. Yeah, and it looks like it's been dead for a long time. Did you leave it out in the sun or something? And they're like, actually, this is fake bird that we replicated. Kern isn't an idiot, though. Like, turkey sucks. Yeah. No one wants that. Yeah, he sa- he says what I say at every Thanksgiving, which is, fine, I will eat your overcooked bird meat. <laughs> 
yeah, give me the dark meat, which is, which is super smart. He grabs a turkey leg. Yeah. He goes for the good stuff. And he slathers it with, uh, with beluga caviar, <laughs> which is just uh, two great tastes that taste great together, I've yeah. always said. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you get some of that turkey skin, yeah. make a little turkey skin taco with that caviar. That's salty. That's real salty. When we have Thanksgiving in my house, it's the classiest Thanksgiving. <laughs> Everything is very expensive. We get the most expensive turkey. We slather it with the nicest caviar. My friend Vladimir sends it over from Russia. It's incredible. You're going to love it. Believe me, it's one of the classiest Thanksgiving you'll ever see in the whole world. Kern is like the uh, the dinner guest that is not opposed to speaking his mind about everything. Like, yeah, yeah. he's he's like, uh, yeah, he almost killed Riker in the turbo lift. Your food is disgusting to me. Uh, your crew is soft and uh, and and fearful. Yeah, I, I'm really not enjoying this at all. He says, in a in so many words. Right, and so it's not long after this that he actually like starts to bust Worf's chops at his station, and then. He's like chilling in his in his apartment, and Worf comes around and like tries to kind of speak his mind. And this shit gets real intense real quick, you know. Like Worf is asking for permission to speak freely, and Kern considers it for a long time before finally gr- granting it. And what comes out in this like intense confrontation that is like it looks like it's about to turn into fisticuffs when Kern explains that. He is Worf's little brother. God, this scene was such a uh, head fake to me because I look around the apartment and there's glass tables everywhere. (laughs) And I'm like, holy shit, it is going down and these tables are getting busted and they don't bust any tables. They knock over a chair and that's it. It's like they did all that table busting in all of the preceding episodes (laughs) so that this scene would surprise you so much. It really did. It was effective. There's also a very surprising tone shift. Like, it fades to commercial, and then it comes back and it's like, wow, so you're my brother. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, getting to know each other. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Worf was not aware that he had any living relatives. And so the backstory with Worf is that his family were killed in a massacre perpetrated by the Romulans on the Klingons at Kittimer which is also where the uh, the climactic scene of Undiscovered Country takes place. It's the planet where they were going to, like, sign the peace treaty. Mm-hmm. So Kern tells Worf that, like, he, he was, like, testing Worf's Klingonness because he wasn't sure whether Worf was, like, truly Klingon or if he was, like, ethnically Klingon but culturally human, you know? Yeah, And so once he's been satisfied that Worf is, like, tough enough and can hang with the Klingon shit, he tells Worf, like, listen, our dad was just posthumously condemned as a traitor to the Empire because they turned up some evidence that says that he was, uh, he betrayed the Kittimer outpost to the Romulans. And uh, if we don't, if we don't go back and, and, like, fight this shit, our family name is going to be shit for seven generations and the stakes are really high because if they go back and fight it and lose their defense of his name they get put to death right they're uh, they're besmirching his dad's name and they that can't stand man you know this aggression will not stand man nah man fuck that shit 
Worf goes and tells Picard, and he's like, "Hey, can I like take a couple of weeks off so I can go deal with this?" And Picard's like, "No, fuck that! Like, if if your life is on the line, and this is like some, you know, if if you're gonna be like killed, then then it's it's my business too. So we're gonna go together." That scene <laughs> is so great. He's like, "Can I take a couple of weeks off? I might not come back because I'll be dead." Yeah, and uh, and Picard walks out onto the bridge and goes goes to Kern. Lay in a course for the first city of the of the Klingon Imperial Empire. Oh, <laughs> just <laughs> what the fuck? Isn't Imperial Empire just the most nakedly redundant phrase of all time? I don't know. What the fuck is that? We we know it's called Kronos, right? I we have to at this point, right? That's it's canon by now. So why? Wh- <laughs> I don't know. How could the first city be anywhere but Kronos? So Kern gets a special twinkle in his eye. He's like, oh yeah, we're going to fight this thing, aren't we? Cool. Cut to exterior of of this Klingon town, and it looks like Castle Grayskull out there. Yeah. It's like... um. It's like a little junglier than Castle Grayskull, but it's got like all of the evil... Uh, uh, architectural flourishes that you're gonna want in a in a castle Grayskull type of place. Doesn't look like they have many sunny days there. No, not a lot of patio furniture out. <laughs> the interiors look like a Benihana, you know, <laughs> like like real dark, a lot of red. Yeah, everybody's flipping shrimps into their hat. A lot of onion volcanoes. Yeah, sure. Those are a big hit at the table. Boy, people love those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen the uh video that tyrese gibson shot in his backyard yep. yeah uh, at his at his benihana yeah at home that he built <laughs> yeah gibsy hana so amazing God. yeah if you ever want to just go down like a a rabbit hole on the internet of like how insane is this person look up that tyrese gibson gibsy hana video he's like it's like I think it's in like 2011 or 2013 or something, where, and and he's like he's like big plans like this time next year there's gonna be Gibsy Hanas in every American city. One day my dream is gonna come to life. <laughs> it's like, what is this idea? This is the craziest thing I've ever heard. They're like scream singing along to the woke up in a Bugatti rap song. Like it just seems like the most fun hang ever. <laughs> ben, I've made peace with the idea that I will probably never be rich. But, God, he really does rich right, doesn't he? <laughs> Building Benihana's in his backyard? Who does yeah. that? Yeah. So they get to, they beam down to the, to the mean hall, like where the, like, I guess it's the, like the emperor's throne room where the, where the high council meets. The Benihana break room? Mm-hmm. And uh, it is, we've got Riker, Picard, uh, Kern, and Worf, and... yeah. Worf is in the driver's seat for this because he's the elder brother, and so, like, the affairs of the house fall to him in the, like, Klingon system of honor. And he declares that he's there to defend his father's name, and Kempek, the chancellor, is like, uh... What are you doing here? (laughs) And, uh... I took San Vicente <laughs> down to uh, 
down to the five. <laughs> Got out of the Pico. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, and pretty quick on on his feet is Duras, the uh, uh, the guy that basically forced through this this nasty accusation. And Duras is like he's got like mega meatloaf on his uh on that forehead of his you know yeah. he's got he's got like two extra ridges that most klingons only have implications of and uh he's really he's, good diversity of foreheads in this yeah thing. yeah i mean i think that that's kind of cool right like kern and Worf have kind of the same yeah forehead mold but then different klingons have different topography yeah. Um, yeah, they're and, like fingerprints. Yeah, and like Kempek is like is full as complicated as it gets, you know. Yeah. So you can, you can tell a lot about like what their character is going to be like by what their forehead is up to. Yeah. And and so like Picard says like this is my officer and I respect him, but uh, but that's like as far as as he can go with with being involved. And they're like, okay, like cool, you you've earned the trust of. Uh, of your commanding officer, that's good, especially with regard to Klingons. But like, you're you're talking a lot of shit, and you're going to have to back it up. The whole reason this trial is happening is because this new evidence has been found, right? Right. the The story is the Romulans attacked this Kindermer outpost and massacred a bunch of people. It was terrible. Worf was one of the few survivors of the attack. Right. And he was the only survivor of two, I believe. Right. And so that was old news. The new news is that some new information has come to light, man. There's and all this new shit. It might not be just such a simple, uh, you know? Yeah, and that information is that there was a transmission from the Kittimer outpost to one of the Romulan ships uh, that caused uh, the treachery that made the massacre happen. Like Right, it was the, it was the codes that let them drop the shields. Like, they gave them what... Kirk used on Khan. Right, and with the shields down, it was easy at that yeah. point. And so the evidence that this trial pretends to have is that it was it was Moog, it was Worf's dad, that sent this transmission. Right. Um, they're going to take the evidence back to the Enterprise and like have the, have the nerd squad look over it because uh, they want to make sure that what is being used to establish this case adds up. So yeah. there's like a light B storyline where they're, you know, Jordy and Data and Wes and whoever else are like looking at the transmission logs and like they've got some, some logs from a starship that happened to be in the area. And I guess it was like the first responder on the scene after the disaster. Right. And so they're looking into this and Kern is like walking down some spooky hallway somewhere and Duras comes around the corner and Worf has insisted that Kern not reveal himself to be Worf's brother. Like Kern has been uh, in, in his adoptive family and is not well known to be in fact, the son of Moog, but I guess Duras somehow figured that out. So they like talk shit back and forth a little bit. Like part of their shit talking is that Duras is, aware of who Kern really is and and that exposes Kern to the risk of being executed if the trial doesn't go well because it's everybody in the, in the in the family if they're both in the trial I guess 
Kern like realizes very quickly that Duras is there to try to put a hit on him, and and then like a couple of goons come out with knives and and uh, stabify Kern. Yeah, and he's not dead, but he falls and he's pretty fucked up. Yeah, like he's definitely not going to be chadiching anytime soon. No, no, uh, you got to be full strength to chadich. Yeah, and that's uh that's what the uh, what the lawyer role is. It's called. It is a guiding principle of a dark lady's base. Have you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth? You don't deserve to wear that uniform. So for some reason, they take Kern back to the Enterprise, which I thought was a surprising choice. Like, if they're in the capital city of an empire, like, wouldn't their medical facilities be good enough to <laughs> patch this guy up? You would think, except that in Klingon culture, like, there's sort of a willingness to die in an attack like this. That is referred to when he's back on the Enterprise. Like, uh, Beverly says something like, wow, Kern's really, Kern's really strong. Like, he took some stab wounds, and he's actually going to survive. Yeah. And, and I think someone mentions that, uh, that he might have preferred death than to survive an attack like this. Yeah. And I think that's probably why he's not in a Klingon hospital, because I feel like the uh, mortality rate in a Klingon <laughs> hospital is probably pretty troubling. Yeah. Yeah, not great. They go back down, and now Picard is playing the role of Chadich, and this is where Captain Picard, attorney at law, gets uh, goes into full effect. He cannot resist a good trial. No, he loves it. And um, but this is like not the trial he's used to. Like at one point, Duras like walks up to Worf and slaps him across the face. He like backhand slaps him, and Worf like holds his head to the side, like. Like, he knows he did wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just, you know that Picard is, like, is going to do whatever he can to help his officer, but he also... He also knows he's a 60-year-old man, and right. and he's surrounded by Klingon warriors. Like, that that's, that's not going to go well if he starts any shit. Yeah. So he's got to be cool. So the nerd squad f- is, f- has figured out two things. One, that the transmission logs that they've been given have some some missing time code and two that there was this second klingon that was rescued and her name was kalest and she was like Worf's nurse when he was a baby and so they're like you got to go find her she like she happens to live in the same city and uh maybe she knows something picard's like cool i'll find her yeah yeah and so he like he like goes and takes a walk through the barrio like like, it is it is the worst part of the worst part of town that he's in, and all he's got is is a is a terry cloth bathrobe as a, as a disguise. Yeah, like there's a there's like some blocks in New York that are not uh, that are not safe places, and uh, I usually have pretty good like hood radar, you know. Do you like, wear a robe through those when you have to? Yeah, like I'll I'll put on I'll. Uh, <laughs> You'll grab one of those Westin robes, but like. If you go to, like, a part of town that you're not supposed to be in, um, chances are fairly good that somebody will be kind enough to say, like, you probably should not be in this part of town. Yeah. Like, they might not say it as politely as that, but uh, nobody gives Picard any such warning. Also, Riker prevents Picard from going on away missions way tamer than this. Yeah. Where the fuck is Riker? (laughs) Like... Oh, man. Riker is really asleep at the switch on this episode. Yeah. He's still reeling from kissing that robot. 
Yeah. He's really putting a lean in what that might mean for his sexuality. <laughs> Maybe he's a robosexual now. Yeah. He's like, he's working on a whole new holodeck program based on this situation. He's got to explore some feelings. Commander Raker. <laughs> I've received your order. <laughs> I must say, I've never built this many sex robots before from one client. I must admit your challenge intrigues me. <laughs> so many holes. So many robots. I'm led to believe that money is no object. <laughs> yeah, it it seems like Riker's busy right now with the project. That's the only reason. That's the uh, that, he, that he's not uh he's not the bodyguard for Picard. They cut a lot of the C storyline out of this episode, you know, just for <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. Um, the montage of Riker unpacking box after box of real dolls. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are all these crates doing here? <laughs> my, my love is a peep of longing tail for that which longer nurses the disease. So Picard finds Kalest, and she is uh, an old woman, and he's like, listen, like, like you you know this family like they treated you right and they're they're fucked if if nobody can clear this up for them and she's like i can't like i can't possibly and he's like come on like wouldn't wouldn't they know who you are like and she's like yeah well chancellor kempek would recognize me he he wanted to he wanted to bone down back in the day but i uh, i had a strict no fatties policy i caught his eye back then he was too fat. Yeah, uh, which is really like, look, the Klingons are not about politeness in any way. Yeah, that comes off as especially cold. Yeah, and Picard, uh, you know, tries and tries to convince her, and she refuses and says, "Like, you got to get the fuck out of here." The way she puts it is like she 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 says that she died back then. Like, right, the person she was is not the person she is, and yeah. she can't help. She's like a a ghost. And so he leaves, and as he uh, exits her house, the uh, the knife-wielding goons that Duras has been palling around with show up and start start a rumble uh, that Picard is the object of. And so he actually like does a little bit better fighting these guys than Kern did. Yeah, because he's got those he's got Starfleet captain moves. Yeah, he's doing parry and dodge and and punchback combinations like he's he's flipping guys over his shoulder yeah he's kirking a little bit and it's fun and he takes one of the guys out but he's about to he's about to get stabified by the other guy when uh, right it's it's a little bit like nausican like mm -hmm. you know yeah god that was my nerdiest moment on this show <laughs> in like 30 episodes holy shit um and he's like about to get stabbed and then the guy like you know goes like and he falls falls away and in falling reveals behind him that Kalest has has flung a knife into his back. Yeah. And so uh, Picard is like, listen, like maybe just going back, like like even though you don't actually know anything about this shit, like they'll think you do. And so and and it'll like scare them into revealing more than they would reveal otherwise. And she's like, All right, let's do it. And so, and so they get back like just in time to cut off uh, Kempek at the pass. Kempek is like about to announce that Worf is going to get executed, and Picard barges in with Kalest, and they have their big showdown. And 
Kent Beck is like, all right, uh, you, 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 and you, my my office now. They go to like judges' chambers. Yeah, or uh, the Kent Beck equivalent of the captain's ready room. Right. And um, what comes out is that, in fact, Duras's father was the one that betrayed the Klingons to the Romulans, but the Duras family is super powerful, and in Kempek's calculation, the Empire would not withstand the Duras family being shamed in this way. And right. so they were like, oh, like, listen, this wharf guy, he's like the last son of Moog. And he doesn't even live in the Empire. Like, he's not going to give a fuck if we throw some dirt on his name. And Worf He's is made like, to be a patsy. Right. And Worf is like, fuck you. I'm more honorable than all of you. And just to show you how honorable I am, I'm going to accept this commendation to save Duras's face and save the Empire and, like, live in, in the shame that I came here to fight. And that's going to be, like, the glue that keeps the Empire together it's the ultimate company man move yeah he fucking throws himself on that grenade yeah and not before uh slapping duras in the face yeah yeah he just sort of sent him a message gives that slap right back and (laughs) it's a very funny cut where it cuts to kempek and kempek is nodding like yeah you take that slap bitch And then <laughs> that 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 bit of street justice is basically the only reward for Worf eating yeah. this bowl of shit. Yeah. And then and then Kalest is like, "All right, I got to go. By the way, Kempek, you're still a fatty." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a fun scene. Like in quick succession, Duras gets slapped and Kempek gets called fat again. Like the dozens table gets turned entirely. <laughs> Mama's a big old greasy hoe. Every every character in that scene has a strong want, you know? Yeah. So they, they go back out, and there's this very intense final scene where Picard and Worf and Kern are standing in the middle of a big circle of Klingons, and Picard is like, listen, Kern, like, Worf needs you to, like, be cool right now, and he's going to, like, he's going to, like, let the situation cool down, and then he's going to fight for your family's honor. But for now, like, stay in the shadows is not a son of Moog. Yeah. And, and so the, the, the circle, everybody like crosses their arms in front of their chest and turns, turns their back on Worf and Picard. And the last one standing is, is Kern and Worf is like, you've got to do it, dude. Yeah. And he does. And then Picard and Worf walk out. Yeah. That's end of episode. Darmok, Angelad, and One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. 
And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVED to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Some real cool Klingon world building in this one. Yeah, very extensive. Like it's as extensive world building, I think, as probably like the first Borgs episode. Yeah, because you've got to believe that they that they at least have a grasp of the arc to come. Like this setup is too pronounced to just have it a a single story that we don't return to right uh, for a few more times. Like, but it, it also they like really give, invest in it. It's taking the Klingons from a checkers level type of species to a chess level type of species. Yeah, like, we know a lot more about how it goes. I mean, the Klingons were were portrayed as a little bit cartoonish when Riker does his portion of the exchange program, and he and he punches a bunch of people, and he electrocutes <laughs> a guy, and he yeah. and he eats the tentacles. Like, yeah, they are formed, and you could argue even fully formed, but they aren't as detailed and as nuanced as they are at, by the time this episode ends. And they really feel like they are a credible counterpoint to the federation they are fully developed now in a yeah. way that they weren't previously really cool what do yeah. you think of the episode i like the episode a lot i think uh it's a good wharf app it's a good lawyer picard app it's got got a lot to uh recommend it i think 
It's interesting to me that at its conclusion, Worf demonstrates that he's the ultimate company man by making his sacrifice. But his sacrifice is both totally Klingon and totally human and reasonable, you know? Totally, yeah. Like, because to me, uh, a Klingon would play the short game and, right. and play for the moment and go for for the brutal end. Like a real Klingon might have like stabbed Duras right then right. and there, you know? Right, and it's it's Worf's reluctance to do that that sort of makes his decision a combination of of the most human aspects of him culturally and also his his definite love for his Klingon homeworld and his Klingon uh, government. Right. You would assume that those two things would be in conflict, but he has found a way to bond them together in a way that works for this outcome. I thought it was pretty interesting. And it's like it's it's cool to think going forward, like that this is going to be something that just like eats away at him until he can resolve it. Yeah, I like that too. Like it wasn't a tidy end. Like his people cross their arms and turn their backs on him, and Worf leaves, and that's it. Like it's both satisfying and unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. Pretty great, Adam. Why don't we uh, check in with our subspace radio and see if anybody has ordered a priority one message. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. We have a commercial priority one message here for a pretty cool book. It's called The 50-Year Mission, The Next 25 Years. And it is an oral history book about Star Trek The Next Generation. There's actually, this is the second of two books, Ben. There was like an original oral history book on the first 25 years, but this Jumbotron is about specifically the second one because it has to do with The Next Generation. Yeah, I mean, and that's like right in our wheelhouse. It's uh, definitely like the point at which I pick up interest in in the universe and i really love the movies with the original cast but mm-hmm. i've never i've never really like sunk my teeth deep into the original series so this this is a book i would definitely give a read or a listen this is uh this is out now and you can listen to the next 25 years wherever you download your audiobooks and i would imagine they probably also have it in stores yeah i love oral history books ben I think my favorite books that I've read over the, over the last couple of years have been oral histories, that SNL book especially. Oh, yeah. There's a really good one on the uh, early days of hip-hop that uh, I really liked. Uh, yeah. I can't remember the title of. What's cool about oral histories is, like, you can just crush them. Like, they, <laughs> yeah. they read really fast, which is cool. Yeah. And even though this this ad in particular is for an audio book, uh, I'm sure it goes the same way. Mm-hmm. And I also find that, like, the linearity of the history is not as important in oral history uh, form. So, for example, if you wanted to leave a copy of this in your bathroom and pick it up and read a bit when something else is happening also, (laughs) uh, you could probably do that and have a perfectly nice time. And then everybody that poops at your house will know what a nerd you are. (laughs) That's Uh, that's not in the copy. That's not the official. (laughs) I think anyone who poops at my house is just uh, amused and grateful that I have so many wipes available. (laughs) Uh, the copy here says the 50-year mission, the next 25 years, is an incisive, no-holds-barred oral history telling the story of Star Trek The Next Generation and beyond. 
get the inside scoop, there's a wealth of new information for even the most ardent TNG fan. Well, Ben, that's us. Yeah, I mean, like, we're the kind of ardent TNG fans that are almost laughably averse to doing actual research, but (laughs) this may turn that whole situation around. That's right. Uh, If you're interested in the book, you can start listening to it now. It's out right now. Uh, Just search for the next 25 years wherever you download your audiobooks. Yeah. Uh, Well, we really appreciate uh, Macmillan for uh, getting that commercial message, and we really hope that people go check out that book, because I think if you're interested in this show, uh, there's a very good chance you'll be interested in this book. Uh, Adam, we have a second Priority One message, and this is a personal message. It's from Dan, and it is to Rosie. Dan says, Happy birthday to Rosie. Now you have to try and live down the fact that this Star Trek podcast now exists partly because of you. Love, Dan. (laughs) Whoa, that's a lot to live with. (laughs) It's like a gift and a curse. Yeah, wow. Uh, So that's a a heavy burden that uh, Dan has laid on Rosie. And uh, if you would like to lay a similar burden on somebody, you can send a personal Priority One message for 100 bucks or a commercial one for 200 bucks by going to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. And uh, you just fill out a form and punch in your credit card deets and... Then we records it up. You're like three clicks away at any moment from humiliating someone like Rosie the way Dan did here. Yeah. And what value? (laughs) You've humiliated her in front of thousands of people. (laughs) Oh, what a delight. (laughs) Happy birthday, Rosie. (laughs) Happy birthday, Rosie! I am the cutest of all. Ben? Yeah, Adam. Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda in this episode? A drunken Klingon Shimoda, even? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! I did. Um, of course, Drunk Shimoda is the award we give every episode to the character who's doing something silly or incongruous or just having the most fun. Um, I will give my Drunk Shimoda award to Kalest. Uh <laughs> Because I was just like, what is this woman's life? Like, she was, I guess, theoretically, like, the the guardian of a a young wharf and was separated from him by some kind of inscrutable decision that was made in at a starbase run by Starfleet, retires back to the Klingon homeworld, and used to be the object of the affection of affection of the chancellor of the entire government mm-hmm. and instead like lives in the hood in total obscurity and and like the second she's like back out in in the halls of power she just like disses the guy and goes back to where she was that didn't <laughs> like, feel so good yeah it's like jesus christ <laughs> like you couldn't go on one date with the guy <laughs> No, no fatties. <laughs> That's her rule. Yeah, it's fucking brutal. She doesn't want to go digging around that belly. She's a she's a body shaming bigot. That's what I yeah. say. Yeah, that's fair. How about yourself? One major missed opportunity for this episode is also totally understandable. Like, I wanted to see the montage of Picard walking these, these city streets <laughs> on his way to K-List. 
Like, what do you think a Klingon slum looks like? We see a little bit of it outside of Kalis' apartment. Yeah. But, man, I understand that it would be too much budget to show, but the journey from council chambers to that apartment had to be amazing. Yep. And headcanon makes it seem interesting, even maybe even more interesting than it probably was. But Do you think he like got on the subway and like yeah. got on the wrong car and somebody demanded that he give him his shoes? There's like a legless Klingon riding a skateboard like <laughs> through the middle of the subway, like with a with a cup out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I don't know. There could have been like some really interesting world building there. I'm giving Sh- my point being I'm giving Shimoda to Picard for the hubris to just go out into the world by himself. Yeah. Captain of the flagship of the Federation. Sometimes uh, hubris def- is all you need to defend yourself in the hood, though. Either you are an idiot or you can carry yourself, and it is up to the challenger to decide whether or not you're worth it. To roll that dice. And I guess no one thought it was worth it to fuck with Picard in yep. that moment. But, wow. Yeah, I thought. I mean, as a character, you know he got a kick out of that. <laughs> so my Shimoda's Picard. Ben, do we have a fun episode next week? Next episode is Season 3, Episode 18, Allegiance. Without the crew's knowledge, Captain Picard is kidnapped and replaced by an evil imposter. Do you remember this episode, Adam? Wes is like, something feels different. <laughs> I, uh, I don't remember this episode at all. I, I feel vividly... like this has happened a couple of times, though, where Picard's been under mind control or something and... And he's done bad things to the to the ship or the crew. But I don't remember this specific episode. I vividly remember this episode because I think that it's the one where Picard is in like a small cell and there's like four aliens and, and he's got a like it's it's like it's like a Twilight Zone episode in a lot of ways. Is he being fire in the sky a little bit? Oh, I don't know that reference. That movie, Fire in the Sky, with, uh, I don't know if it's D.B. Sweeney or Judge Reinhold. Uh, I, I firmly it. believe they're the same person. But, <laughs> yeah, it was like an, a mid-90s science fiction movie. This isn't a similar storyline. Uh, well, there, yeah, he's abducted, and it's like kind of a, it's, it's kind of like a, uh, you know, who can you trust in this cell, and how do we get out of here by working mm. together? And uh, the So there's only like thing parallel storylines. Yeah. And the only cool. thing to eat is these, like, red hockey pucks. Oh, that brings it back to me a little bit. I remember those pucks. Cool. Yeah. I'm into seeing this. Yeah. Got to see it anyway. Yeah, we don't have any vetoes to to utilize. Hey, Ben, say I like the show. Mm-hmm. And, and say I want to do something to support its production. How might I do that? Well, you got a, you got a few options. The, the easiest thing would be to... Review us on iTunes and tell a friend, you know, get more people interested in the show. Uh, If you really want to go above and beyond, you can join the hundreds of people that already do and go to MaximumFun.org slash donate and select our show as one of the many shows that you can support financially through the MaximumFun.org network. The greatest part of this network is that all the shows are listener supported, Yeah, which is great. Um, if you want to help support the show, but maybe want to get something out of it in yes. return, these Jumbotron ads are great. Yes. People are signing up for these Jumbotron ads, and, uh, and their, their personal messages from 
one viewer to another. There are occasionally commercial messages about uh, goods or services. I mean, yeah. it's pretty fun, and it and uh, you can occasionally draw us into doing one of our many funny impressions, mm-hmm. which we just can't help doing. You can uh, tweet at us. Use the hashtag GreatestGen to talk about the show. Adam is at Cut for Time. I'm at Benjamin R. A-H-R. You can also go to facebook.com slash greatestgen. And uh, there's another thing also. There's a page in a group on Facebook. And then there's a subreddit. Subreddit is greatestgen. But you can also go to the Maximum Fun subreddit. And... Uh, talk about the show on there we, uh, we get this question all the time which leads me to believe that people don't listen to the end of the show mm-hmm. for, the, for these credits they're like hey where's your facebook page <laughs> where's your reddit yeah it's easy to find yeah our thanks to dark materia for our awesome music and uh, adam ragusia who in addition to making our jumbotron soundtrack uh keeps talking up our show to everyone who will listen he's just the greatest yeah, he uh, said some very nice stuff about us on his own show, The Pub, which is a, a solid listen if you're at all interested in public radio or just audio production in general. Yeah. And uh, he also went on Earwolf's um, Wolf Den uh, show, which is about how to make podcasts, and uh, talked us up there, which was uh, which was fun because... Uh, Chris Bannon is a friend of the show and is one of the co-hosts of that show, yeah. and uh, it kind of spontaneously happened, so it was really fun for me to listen to. Yeah, they're just the greatest. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that just about does it for yeah. this episode. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and a spooky episode of the greatest generation Take it to the tin, then switch over to the 405 North and let it dump you out into Mulholland where you belong. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.